you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Joining us online or you're here in the sanctuary, you can go to lifeway.church forward slash seven dash, what's today, the 28th, seven dash 28, I did that on purpose, dash 19, that way you can go back, listen, you can go back and you can look at other notes that have been in the past by going to that date, forward slash seven dash 28 dash one nine, you can look at the notes, you can take notes as you Watch the message, look at the message, and you can go back and do that, guys. There is a repeat. You know, there's a button that you can uh, go back and look at the archives. You can go to the website, look at the archives. It does us good when we review what we viewed the first time, right? And so, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. We are in now the eighth week of Stand Up and Fight. And I believe, and I told, I I made this announcement at the very beginning of the series, because we were uh, equipping ourselves with the armor of God and the weapons that God has given us, uh, we we need to be ready for uh, the enemy's schemes and tactics. And so for these past eight weeks, you probably have noticed, I can say this safely, that you've noticed an increase in the activity from the enemy towards you, right? (laughs) That would be a yes. But the good news is we win. We win, we win, we win, and then we win again. And so Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to invite you to read with me. Um, I'm going to read out of um, the old and trusted, faithful NIV version, paper version. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, in His mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Notice that he said it twice. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish All the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and request with this in mind, be alert and always be keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And everyone said, amen. 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 And so we're going to focus this week on the sword of the spirit which is the Word of God, and praying with all manner of prayer. So, this past week, uh, we took a, a brief um, visit to Charleston, South Carolina, to celebrate our belated anniversary from last month. 
And so that's just how we roll. Most of the time, it's, we, we're catching up. And so we had wanted to visit Charleston for a couple of, a couple of years, really. We made plans uh, to go, uh, and something came up a couple of years ago. But this time, we, we were there, and we had our list of things that we wanted to visit. Uh, Fort Sumter, Fort Moultrie, and then Patriots Point. And so all of these military things were going on during this time of stand up and fight. And so it, it really, it became real to us. And we're at Patriots Point, and we came in contact with the USS Laffey. The USS Laffey was commissioned. I'm going to give you a little bit of background, and they're going to put a picture up here. The USS Laffey was commissioned in 1944, in February of 44, and the ship earned the nickname the ship that would not die. And it was named this because of the exploits that she had during the D-Day invasion and the Battle of Okinawa when she successfully withstood a determined assault by conventional bombers and the most, most un, unrelenting kamikaze air attacks in history. In 90 minutes, they were attacked by two dozen Japanese kamikaze aircraft in 90 minutes. They were struck by six planes and four bombs, yet they were able to stay afloat and fight. Even though many of the guns on the ship were destroyed, the radar was knocked out, and more than 30 of her crew had been killed. They had, their crew was only 300. 30 of the crew had been killed and she was sinking, they radioed the commander, Frederick Beckton, and asked him, are you going to abandon the ship? And he, this was his response, I'll never abandon the ship as long as I have a gun that will fire and a person to shoot it. And so thinking about this and seeing this and living this a little bit, I'm here to say this morning that some of you may have been assaulted by the enemy, some kamikaze attacks of the enemy lately. But listen, there's good news. You're still standing. You're still standing. And you still have guns. And you still have people to shoot those guns. You still have a shot. And we win. And what happened to USS uh, Laffey is they, they brought her in, they rebuilt her, and she spent more years in the fleet serving. That's awesome. And I'm telling you, the lives of the men that fought on that vessel, it, 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 it's so remarkable that the stories were told and Mel Gibson got a hold of it and they're in the process of making a movie uh, kind of to coincide with Hacksaw Ridge and, and that from World War II. And it's, it's very interesting you know, the enemy comes and the enemy comes and the enemy comes and the enemy comes and you think, can we take any more? But the Lord sustains us. He, he empowers us against the attacks of the enemy. And up till today, we've been, we've been studying about defensive armor. You know, our belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, you know, the helmet of salvation. We take the shield of faith and, and, you know, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. These are defensive armament 
that we can stand against the attack of the enemy. But today we're going to be talking about the sword of the Spirit, the offensive weapon. And when we talk about the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, I'm not talking about your Bible. I'm not talking about your smartphone that has the Bible on it. That's, that's not what we're meaning by the Word of God. You've got to think beyond the pages of this book. It's, it's the Word of God that you have in your heart coming out of your mouth that counts, right? The Word of God that we hide in our heart that comes out of our mouth. I want you to turn with me over to Luke chapter 4. You know, there are different types of uh, offensive weapons, of swords. And this, this is just a representation. These are not, you know, like the helmets were. We had some official-looking helmets, but this is a plastic sword. <laughs> but you can imagine, there, in, in Roman times, they fought with five different types of swords. And each one of those swords had a, maybe a different shape or a different length, and they were all used for a different uh, situation. And, uh, of course, when you're training for battle, you, you, you would use these to train with so that you could get proficient at using your weapon. Is that true? Yes. In the army. And, and, and again, I respect everyone that was in the military. Thank you for serving. Never spent time there. My, my grandfather was a, a sergeant in the army. But uh, the first thing they do when they take you in is teach you about the weapons that you have and how to use them, how to take them apart and how to put them back together and uh, whatever situation you're in. If you're in the dark, how to put it back together in the dark and what ammunition it fires and how to use it and how to become proficient at it, right? And so that's the same uh, context that we find with, with the Word of God. God wants us, he's given us his word. And he wants us to become proficient at using his word because it is a matter of life or death. Now, uh, we, we have the uh, distinct ability to, to have this at our disposal, right? Our, our, to have it at, at our, uh, what's the word of, huh? At our fingertips, yes. <laughs> we, we have it in various forms that we can recall it and, and, and use it. But I think we take it for granted sometimes. Because, you know, I don't know how many copies I have. And there's probably uh, one or two copies of the Word of God in a different version that I haven't really read that much. But then there's others that are highlighted and, because I've studied and I believe the Lord wants us to prepare ourselves. If there's one thing that this message is saying this morning, prepare ourselves for battle. Become familiar with the Word of God so that we can use it in every situation. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is coming into a hand-to-hand -hand combat with the enemy. And so we see that maybe, maybe it's not... Uh, the word is, is a dagger that he has because he's holding it close. The enemy came close to him. I'm, I'm going to read from Luke 4, 
chapter, uh, verse 1 through 13. When the enemy came to Jesus in the wilderness to tempt him. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when, when those days had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him. Underline the word answered in your Bible. But Jesus answered him saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All of this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all of this will be yours. And Jesus answered him, saying, Underline answered, because Jesus said something. Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus, the third time, answered. Jesus answered. Underline the word answered, because it's it's very important that Jesus answered. And he said to him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So there's two things from this passage that I want us to see this morning. Number one, Jesus answered. Jesus answered. And so if Jesus answered, then we have to answer. Every attack of the enemy must be resisted with our speaking. God gave us a voice. And he expects us to use it. And all the men said. (laughs) All the women said. (laughs) I say this kind of in jest because my wife reminds me that she can't read my mind. That That God gave me a voice so that I could use it so that I could communicate. Right? And sometimes I say, well, you speak enough for both of us. So I just figure that. You know, we can do the ESP thing and you can just follow along with my thoughts. But that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> no. God wants us to communicate. And therefore, when the enemy comes at us, we have to answer. We have to answer him. The devil will not back down just because you try to ignore him. Isn't that true? He's not going to back down just because you pretend that he doesn't exist. And again, we're reminded of the fact that uh, almost half of the church that declares Jesus as Lord doesn't recognize the power of the enemy, doesn't recognize that there is a literal devil that opposes us daily. And that's a shame because in our mind, we think, well, if we just ignore him, he'll go away. He'll get tired and he'll go away. But the the devil is a pest. He is a pest. Pests are irritating, persistent, 
And I think about mosquitoes during this time of the year. And I'm from, I'm from South Georgia where the mosquitoes get big. I mean, you can hear them coming from about a half a mile away. You know, and you want to go outside, but you don't want to go outside because of the, the mosquitoes. They're pestilence. They're irritable. I mean, they're irritating. <laughs> it makes you irritable. And they're persistent. Just like the enemy. They, they, they plan the sneak attack. You swat them down. They come around. And if you're sitting down and you're showing a little bit of your ankle, and they get you. And they'll stay there until they get so big that they're about to burst, right? Just think of mosquitoes when you think about the devil. Pestilence. But there's something about pestilence, too, that they're deadly. Did you know that the mosquito is the most deadly animal in the world? Bet you didn't know that. Mosquitoes kill more people than are murdered every year. Almost one million people are killed. These are statistical facts. You can study it on the Internet for yourself. There are 700 million that are affected by mosquito-borne illnesses. And 1 million people actually die. Now, most of the deaths are due to malaria. But think about this parallel. The enemy infects his little demons with strife, with bitterness, with unforgiveness. It comes up to you as long as you just let them stay. And, and, and don't kill them, right? Don't use the word no, not here, not ever. They'll sit, they'll sit, they'll infect you with what they've got. And eventually kill, steal, and destroy, right? Number two from this passage that I want us to see. Jesus not only answered, but he answered with the word. <laughs> Jesus did not say... Now, Mr. Devil, go away. You're such a bully. And you know we don't bully people, right? Bullying is not good, Mr. Devil. Our, our Jesus did not say, in my humble opinion, what you're telling me is wrong. You know, everybody's so opinionated these days. It's, it's not about our opinion. It's about what the Word says, Right? Think about the seven sons of Sceva. They encountered a man that was possessed by the devil. He, full, fully, he, he was fully infected by stealing, killing, destroying. And the, and the devil was, you know, half a step away from killing this man. And they, they wanted this man to be delivered. And they uh, went to cast the devil out. And the devil spoke back to them. And the devil said, hey, Paul, we know... And Jesus we know. But who are you? Because these, these guys were trying to cast out the devil. And they said, we adjure you or we command you to come out, of, uh, come out of him in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. So listen, this tells us one thing. That the devil knows if you know who you are. The devil knows if you know who you are. And the devil knows if you know the word of God, right? <laughs> it goes back to the breastplate that we put on, our righteousness. 
We're nothing without Christ, but we can do all things through Christ because he gives us his breastplate of righteousness. And when we speak the word of God, it has the same authority and the same power behind it as when God speaks it. So Jesus answered the enemy, but he answered with the word of God. We have to be ready to use the word against the devil. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one that is approved. This is the NIV version. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And so there's a responsibility on us to know the word of God to the degree that we handle the word with accuracy. Do you see that? It's, it's, it's more than just becoming born again. And it's more than just trusting God that he's going to be our defender. He's given us his word and he said, take my word and use my word. And then he gave us the example of Jesus when he was in the wilderness that Jesus skillfully understood. Listen, the devil twisted the word of God, but Jesus understood the word enough to use the word against the devil so that the devil flee and the devil backed off. So we have to do our best to present ourselves to God, to study the word, show ourselves approved that we, that, we, that we know how to use our weapon, that we know that we, we hold the weapon with the handle and not by the blade, right? Well, you know, I, I know the word of God. I've... I've I've got a copy of it, but uh, I'm not sure where you find that. I'm not sure. uh, I don't know. I've been told. We have to be confident in the word and not our own ability. And we have to study to show ourselves approved. And we develop that skill of handling the word. We have to be aware that when the enemy launches attack, he's not going to notify you that he's going to attack. (laughs) So we have to expect it when we least expect it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 in the Amplified says, Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands firm and the one who thinks he's immune to temptation, being overconfident and self-righteous, take care or take notice that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. So this is saying that uh, when we think that we're above temptation, that's when we need to be aware that the attack is coming. Do you follow me? That none of us are to that level that we cannot be tempted. That the enemy has a target on all of us. And he knows where, where we're weakest. He knows even our weaknesses better than we do at times. And we need to be ready to resist. We need to be ready to answer his attack with the word, a counterattack. When he attacks, we have a counterattack ready. And so that is this hand-to-hand battle that we're in when the enemy comes, that we have this sword that we can give him <laughs> for the kill. We go in close. But then there's also 
this idea of a lance of prayer. Because these uh, scriptures in Ephesians chapter 6 are so closely tied together, the lance of prayer is the word that we pray from a distance. I know this, these are representative of a lance, um, not truly a lance that someone would use. But a lance was devised to be used to attack the enemy from a distance. And they were thrown with great force and hurled tre- uh, uh, tremendous distances to strike the enemy from afar. Because different lances were thrown at different distances, they, they all came in different sizes and shapes. And a particular lance was chosen by a soldier depending on how it was to be used. And so we can see that there are different offensive weapons, different sizes and different um, examples of them. So there are different types of prayer. Different types of prayer. There are seven are more types of prayer that we can see from the Word of God. There's the prayer of faith. Prayer of faith. In James, it says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray the prayer of faith and the Lord will save the sick and raise him up, forgive him of any sin. There's prayer of faith. There's a prayer of agreement. Matthew 18. There's a prayer of intercession or supplication where we pray on behalf of someone. There are different prayers that we can pray. The prayer of petition, where we're petitioning based on God's word and his promise to us. We're petition, petitioning. It's a different type of prayer. Not all prayer is the same. There's a prayer of consecration, where uh, the example that we, ha- we have in Jesus' life, with, when he was in the garden and he was communicating with his father, that's really the simplest form uh, or the simplest definition of prayer is communication with, with God. And Jesus communicated with the Father at that time that he was in the garden, and, and he said, Lord, um, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, your will be done, not my will. If there's any other way that we could do this, but I want your will. That's a prayer of consecration. And that's one type of prayer. And, and that's not the prayer that we pray all the time. Lord, if it's your will that the enemy be defeated, then let us have your will. Not my will, but your will. No, it is the will of the Lord that the enemy de- be defeated. He said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. We don't have to pray uh, a prayer of consecration in, in that instance. There's a prayer of thanksgiving. There's just times that we thank the Lord for all that he's done. There's, there's times of united prayer. There's a prayer of worship, that we just worship the Lord. We're not, we're not asking him for anything. We're not um, de- uh, commanding or declaring anything. We're just worshiping him. And so these different types of prayer uh, indicate that there are different offensive weapons that we can use against the enemy. But there's two ways that we use this offensive weapon, whether it's a sword or whether it's a a lance of prayer. We either say or we pray. If we define the word pray as ask, then we can define the word declare as to to say. The the word say 
as declaring, commanding, saying. There are times that the Lord wants us to stand up with our armor on. And just like David declared to Goliath, his natural enemy, this day I'm going to take your head off and I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. And some people think, well, you know, that's a little bit um, uh, prideful. No, it is, is recognizing with, the, with our breastplate on, recognizing who we are in Christ and that God has authorized us, deputized us, and given us the power and the authority to stand up against the enemy and say, no, not here, not in my life, not in my family's life, not in my church's life. So Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's the New International Version. All kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So when do we pray? Well, we, we pray always. Always. As the occasion permits. We seize this time to pray. At every time, every season... It can accurately be translated as every opportunity or every chance you get. We, we pray as we go. There's not a certain time of the day that we pray. There's not a certain place that we pray. Although Jesus says, when you pray, go into your closet. He, he, what, he, what he was saying in that instant was, instance was not to make a show of your prayers. That your faith is effectual even though people may not see the the loud volume of your prayers, right? Faith is of the heart. It's not of the volume. So you can be shouting to the top of your lungs in fear just as much as in faith, right? It's not the volume. Faith is in the heart. And every prayer that we pray is a prayer of faith. Every season, every possible moment that we have a chance to pray, we pray. That's just communication with our Father. Lord, what, what should I do in this situation? What should I do in this situation? It, how, how is the enemy using this person in, in my life? There are times in our lives, guys, that uh, we just need to see this, that it's not the person but the enemy behind the person that comes against us. There are difficult people everywhere on the earth right? But people are really not our problem. It's the influence behind the person, right? I think about when Jesus encountered Peter and at the end of Jesus' ministry and and Peter was uh, wishing, longing in his heart that Jesus not go to heaven. And Jesus was preparing his disciples and saying, you know, I've, I've got to go. And Peter said, no, Lord, no, don't. It, you don't have to. And Jesus actually addressed the enemy. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Notice that he didn't say, get thee behind me, Peter. Or he didn't say, Peter, uh, here's your pink slip. You're off the team. I, I've had enough of you. <laughs> By that time, he could probably say that and be true, right? But it's not, I want us to see that it's not the people. It's the influence behind the person. So we're not against people. It, it would do us good to say we're not against people. Say, I'm not against people. 
If the enemy can get us fighting the wrong person, then he's already half, half won the battle. Right? We don't use the sword on people. Use the sword on the enemy. So here's some keys to prayer. I'm going to give us three keys to prayer. Hebrews 4.12. The first key is use the word. Use the word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Isn't that amazing that the writer of Hebrews attaches the sword, the word to the sword and the sword to the word. Piercing even the division of the soul and the spirit and of joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So every prayer that we pray in agreement with the word of God is a prayer of faith. Every prayer that we pray in agreement with the word of God is a prayer of faith. And every time we pray, we should be praying in faith, not in fear. Oh, Lord, please. Here's an example of, of, of a prayer in fear. Lord, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I just can't take it anymore. This enemy is coming down and, and, and just bombarding me. Just do something, Lord, please, please, please. A prayer of fear doesn't move God and it doesn't move the enemy. A prayer of faith is, Lord, thank you that you have given me authority. And your word, you said, resist the devil and he will flee. And so, Father, I'm thanking you right now. This is, this is a prayer. I'm communicating with the Father and the enemy is actually listening to me. He, is, he may be bearing down on me with fear, with thoughts of fear, thoughts of death. But if I stand my ground and declare the word of God, Lord, I thank you that your word declares and says that you have not given me the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Thank you that I have a spirit of power. I have a spirit of love. And I have a spirit of a sound mind. My mind is sound. And I'm standing against the enemy. And you declared in your word that if I resist the enemy, then he has to flee. That is a prayer of faith. In line with the word of God. And so we pray based on the word. The word of God is the answer, guys. The word is the answer. I'm telling you, I've experienced this in my own life by praying the problem. Praying the problem doesn't work. How many times have I gone to God in the past and said, Oh Lord, don't you see? And if I would just... Be quiet for a moment. He would, his response is, yes, I do see. Oh, Lord, don't you see? Don't you know? Don't you feel? Yes, I do know. I do see and I do feel. And I'm touched with the feelings of your infirmity. So take my word and stand against the enemy. Right? <laughs> take my word. I've given you my word. I've given you my armor. Now pick up your sword and take the enemy's head off. You, you think about the movies that we see and we're like, the gun's right there, the gun's right there. Get it, get it. Here he comes, here he comes, he's coming around the corner. Get it. Right at the nick of time. Boom. Like, you're, you're there, you're, you're wanting to pick up that gun and to, to shoot, right? 
That's what the Lord is saying. Hey, there's my word. Take my word. And so we have to use the word, but we have to be led by the spirit. Being led by the spirit is, is saying the right thing or praying the right thing at the right time. It's of the heart and not of the head. John 14, 26, when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to send another comforter who's going who's to come to you, stand by you. He's going to help you. And part of his assignment is to remind you of the words that I've spoken to you. So if Jesus has dispatched the Holy Spirit, he lives in us, then the Holy Spirit can remind us of the words that Jesus has spoken to us and the word that we have put in our heart. At the moment that we need it. The moment that we need it, it's there. Because of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to be led by the Spirit in our prayers. So that we can pray it. So that we can say it at the right time to affect the right result. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses three, uh, 13 through 15 says this. And I'm just going to touch on this one thing. Paul is writing to the church. There it Corinth. He said, for this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So Paul is is talking in context he's talking about this thing of other tongues. We don't have a whole lot of time to get into it, but just to say that with the spirit and in the spirit are two different designations. We can pray with the spirit with our English language or if that's your mother tongue or however you however you pray with a known language. You can pray in the Spirit in your known language. And then there's this prayer in the Spirit, which is in other tongues or unknown language, that the Lord empowers us to pray at a specific time for a specific reason. And we have to be led by the Spirit to pray in the right way at the right time. So that we're not praying from our head, but we're praying from our heart. Right? Do you see that? We, we use the word, but we need to be led by the Spirit. Number two, three keys to prayer. Number two, stay alert. Stay alert. Mark chapter 14 and verse 38. Jesus said, watch and pray so that you will not, be, you will not fall into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If Jesus said to watch and pray, then we should watch and pray. We should be aware that as we're praying and as we're declaring the word of God, that the enemy is preparing and probably has already prepared a counterattack. Watch for the enemy's counterattack. Be ready for a counterattack. And then, here's, here's the second part. Don't speak against what you just prayed about. This is where we miss it a lot of times. We will pray sincerely from our heart in faith, declaring God's word or asking the Lord for direction, and then we'll walk away and we'll say, 
I just don't know what I'm going to do. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And the very moment that we open our mouth and allow those words to come out, I just don't know what I'm going to do. It opens the door for worry, anxiousness, fretting. And, and we're actually tripping our own self up because our heart becomes divided. All right? James talks about being single-minded, not double-minded. If we're trusting God, then that's where our faith must stay. And we have to stay alert. We have to stay alert. The enemy's coming against us. He's going to challenge what you just prayed. And the third tip, uh, our keys to prayer is perseverance. Perseverance. A lot of people give up right before the answer comes. Look at Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. This is our last scripture here. Verse 1, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Stop right there. Because gives us the reason for the parable right there. Don't even get into the parable. I'm going to get into the parable, but think about that first point. Jesus is telling us that we could pray and, and give up. People pray, would you agree? People pray and they give up yes. too quickly. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Some people pray and they give up too quickly. So Jesus is telling us to pray and he's telling them a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So now he's going to explain this point. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. So I'm going to ask you, just from what we've read, is God... The unjust judge. No. <laughs> we don't have to bug God. People will read this parable and they will, they will uh, naturally try to make God this unjust judge. And God is not an unjust judge. What Jesus is telling us about this parable is that it requires faith to ask and that we shouldn't give up. Say that with me. It takes faith to ask. It takes faith to ask. And we shouldn't give up. It <laughs> takes faith to ask. And we shouldn't give up. We don't have to beg God. You never have to beg God for something that he has already promised you. Never. You never have to beg God for something that he has already promised you. And so Jesus said, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust, unjust judge says. And I will, I will not, uh, and I will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones. And will not God 
bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What is this Son of God looking for? Faith on the earth. He's given us faith. We have faith. Faith is just trusting in him. And so we ask based on his word, use the word. We're staying alert in prayer because the enemy's coming to test us to see if we really believe what we just prayed, right? He's looking for the word of God so that he can root it out of your heart so that it won't produce fruit. And if we pray the word and we stay on the word and we persevere on the word, and we add our faith to God's promises, and we persevere, then God will answer. God will answer. And this sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, which we say and which we pray, always works. It always works. It is more powerful than anything that the enemy has. The word of God is more powerful than the enemy has because the enemy's a liar and this is the truth. This is the truth. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is true. It is not void of power. It will accomplish what he sent it forth to accomplish. God is faithful to his word. He's watching over his word to perform it, to accomplish it, to bring it to pass. And so when we stay on his word and we persevere on his word and it doesn't matter what it looks like and we put on our armor and we stand and we've done all to stand, we stand. We've done all to stand, we stand with our full armor on, with the word coming out of our mouth, sharper than a two-edged sword. That's why we, we must be cautious to speak the word, say the word, say the word. I know the problem's there. But listen, David, when he went, to, went to, to meet Goliath, he didn't he didn't turn around and go, oh, guys, look how big. He must have grown overnight. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think he's a little bit taller. Maybe I'm a little bit shorter. What, what's going to happen here? The problems do appear bigger every night, especially at nighttime, <laughs> Right? When all the voices kind of shut down, the devil's voice seems to get louder in the nighttime, right? Fear seems to be more real at nighttime. Is this true? Yes. But the truth of God's word brings all of the enemy's plans and schemes to naught. Zero. Loser. He lost. The devil lost 2,000 years ago. <laughs> and we have authority over him. He's under our feet. He's under our feet. Those who dare to put on the armor and take the sword. Put on the armor and take the sword. Let's all stand. Put on your armor, stand up and fight. Put on your armor and stand up and fight. It's not time to give up. It's not time to sit down. It's hard to sit in a full suit of armor. 
Armor was not made for you to sit down. Jesus is your commander. Maybe I'm your under commander and I'm commanding you. Don't sit down. Don't give up. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. God trusts you. He trusts you with His Word. He trusts you with His Spirit. This is not a time to give up and lose. It's not a time to quit. It's not a time to look around at what the world's saying and what the world's doing. Listen, things are worse and they're going to get worse. But for the kingdom of God, they're great and they're going to get better. (laughs) Think about this, guys. Nothing I'm saying has not already been said in the Word. Jesus said, look up because your redemption is drawing near. It's coming nearer. Right? Don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be in despair. Don't magnify the devil, but magnify God. Magnify God. Jesus in the morning, Jesus at noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down. It's a Jesus kind of day. <laughs> right? When people ask you, what's happening? What's happening? Jesus is happening. He's on the throne. He's on the throne. He's on the throne of my heart. He gave me some armor to put on. Right? Wow. I'm excited. Father, thank you again. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.